Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Everything's 5x4, a random podcast on Shuffle. I'm your host, Steve, and as I mentioned, this is episode 15. What? Now there's a bird involved? Uh, So how this podcast works for someone randomly stumbling across it, I basically discuss five randomly selected topics from a list of 10 for four minutes apiece. More or less four minutes apiece. Last week I cheated a little bit, and there were some that were like about four and a half minutes, but you know. Anyway, uh, how I do that is I pick the topics from a random number generator. And uh, yeah, I should mention where the title of this episode comes from. It's an, from an episode of Futurama where Fry is trying to explain love to Zoidberg, and that's Zoidberg's response to the Love Meister will take you under his wing. You know, looking at it very literally. And if TV is picked this week, that's one of the Futurama episodes I would discuss. But, you know, I find out when you do, um, at least in the point you're listening to the episode, because obviously it's not recorded live. But you get the point. Anyway, uh, time to move forward and let the random number generator do its thing and pick the topics. Okay, and here we go. Let's see what we have. First is. Topic number 10, which is TV, and I swear I did not plan it that way. (laughs) All right, let's see what the next topic is. It's number seven, which is other miscellaneous sports. Okay, and we've got the third topic we're going to discuss is number three, which is books. Um, Let's see next. Fourth topic is beer. And last but not least, we have not TV again. Let's try one more time. Topic number one, baseball. So this week I'll be talking about TV, other miscellaneous sports, books, beer, and baseball. So as I always say, enjoy or don't. All right, so last week's episode, as I mentioned, was slightly on the longer side in terms of every topic. I kind of cheated on the whole four minutes thing, and I did one-minute intros, so this time I'm just going to try to straight roll into topics without an intro uh, and do less than four minutes. We'll see how that works for me and, I guess, for you. All right, as I mentioned earlier, most of... What I focus on in TV is re-watching Futurama, my favorite TV show. But before I get into that, I did finish Shrill, which I mentioned last week. Um, unfortunately, I think season three was really good, but it's a little bit uneven, I think, due to COVID. It was a good overall season, but the ending kind of feels rushed. And I thought there was a little bit of a nice sentiment behind it. But you can kind of tell that the show got canceled, which is unfortunate. Um, I feel like it did the British thing with seasons where every season is six or seven episodes. And I think that's great. The material is always on point, but I really wish it would have gotten a fourth season to clarify some things. And I hope it will, as it is a unique show in uh, today's landscape with um, kind of a fat acceptance theme and just generally is very funny and has a great cast. Uh, But now I'm going to get into Futurama. Okay, so I actually watched the rest of Volume 2, Disc 1, which is Season 2, Episodes 7 through 9. And the first one was Ahead in the Polls. 
And this is the first appearance of Nixon's head in a jar. Uh, there's some other small Easter eggs for, for fans. You see the first reference to the scary door, the first reference to Scoop Chang and the many journalist outlets, <laughs> journalistic outlets he works for. You see Hermes with a brain slug. And uh, there's, you know, the political satire, I think it's better as the show goes on, but there's some pretty good stuff here with sight gags, etc. Uh, you see, I think my favorite among the third parties was the guy representing the hemp party saying Dave's not here, which is a Cheech and Chong reference. Uh, so in this episode, Bender sells the titanium portion of his body, Nixon buys it, and antics ensue. Uh, you see the head museum, the Hall of Presidents. Uh, Gerald Ford says, frankly, I've never felt voting is that essential to the process, which is pretty funny, obviously, given history. Uh, Nixon can't answer a question in a debate about whether he'd steal candy for a child. At the end, Nixon wins by a single vote, and it just sets up a lot of future episodes that I think in a lot of ways are better, but this is the origin. Uh, speaking of that, you have the first, the next episode, Xmas Story. You have the first Robotic Santa episode. Um, this one is good. I think future episodes featuring Robot Robo Santa are better. Um, John Goodman plays Santa, which I think is great. Uh, this one, I actually think the music is the best. You've got robots led by Bender, of course, stealing all of Hattie McDougal's booze and singing their version of 12 Days of Xmas. And at the end, you have them singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town with lyrics like, you're better off dead. I'm telling you, dude, Santa Claus is gunning you down. So, you know, basically it's a robo, robot Santa program to see everyone is naughty. And one of the funny things, too, is Zoidberg actually is not concerned naughty and gets a pres present from Santa, the only person. Anyway, um, the next episode is actually a Zoidberg-heavy episode, Why Must I Be a Crustacean in Love? It's one of my favorite episodes, and there's a, many actually good Zoidberg-focused episodes. So basically, the main plot is Zoidberg goes back to his home planet to mate. Uh, Rewatching it, there's a couple early fat jokes that, that I don't like, that don't age well. But the episode overall is chock full of great quotes, um, and including the title of this episode of the podcast. So you've got Bender saying, he's no different from the rest of you organisms shooting DNA at each other. Fry saying, make up some feelings and tell her you have them. Um, Zoidberg's toast to Edna of all the slimy, gross crab monsters on this planet. You are apparently the hottest. And Fry saying, far be it for me to question your stupid civilization and its dumb customs when he's forced to fight to the death. So just, I mean, a really classic Futurama episode. And uh, that's about it that I've got this week for TV. So I'm going to make a confession. For other miscellaneous sports, I pretty much have nothing. I was planning on watching, I actually recorded and was planning on watching um, one of the Chicago Sky games, but I feel like right now I sort of have um, a little bit of sports fatigue. Uh, you know, I've been watching a ton of soccer, uh, lots of baseball, and Panthers playoff hockey, which was ill-fated, uh, unfortunately. And I haven't really been watching basketball after the Bulls you know, didn't even qualify for the playoffs. I feel like I jinxed them in a previous segment a couple months ago when they were playing well and everything just went down the tubes, missed playoff uh, play in round qualification by a couple games. So yeah, not great. You know, I think part of it actually uh, to make something of this segment is 
something interesting that I'm going to give a little bit of credit to World Soccer Talk uh, podcast with my friends uh, Cardick and and Chris, who um, you know they uh, they talk about streaming uh, and soccer as a whole, but just TV rights and streaming, which kind of sounds like okay, this is really uh, going down a rabbit hole. But it's interesting because now we're at a point. I think uh, they mentioned this where there's just so much soccer that you can watch that it's kind of overwhelming. And I sort of feel that way in a sense with sports because it used to be, and even with, with some teams like the Bulls right now, uh, you know, I can I pretty much could only watch games that were nationally televised. So I saw maybe half a dozen games all year, but, you know, or locally televised when they played the Heat, I should add that. You know, but it's just with a lot of other teams, it's just, uh, wow, you can really just watch games every week. Um, or in the case of the White Sox, um, I do pay for MLB.TV, full disclosure, so I can watch them every day. And so, yeah, I think I think sometimes watching so much uh, baseball and soccer, it's just kind of like, hey, I got to do something other than watch other sports, which is why. Um, and it's also the way I consume sports is a little different than a lot of people. For me. I generally need to have a rooting interest in one of the teams. I, I watch my teams, but it's hard for me unless it's, say, Game 7 of the NBA Finals or the Champions League Final or something to really get all that excited about it. And even in those cases, I usually just end up following it on my phone or something while I'm doing something else and don't end up watching it. So I have a very different, I guess, take on, on sports viewing than a lot of other sports fans do. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's one of those things I'm thinking eventually I'm going to actually watch some sky games. Cause I think they are worth watching. Uh, they have a kind of exciting team. Um, you know, with Courtney Vandersloot, Candace Parker, Ellie Quigley, Diamond DeShields, etc. But it's just, you know, lots of sports <laughs> And especially, uh, you know, when I have a partner who's not into watching sports, uh, you know, or I'm just saying that generally, if you have a partner who's not interested in watching sports really, well, you want to do stuff with them and just occasionally catch games. And sometimes I'll be watching Sox game on my phone while watching TV and one will always be kind of in the background. Um, you know, so it kind of is what it is, but I am hoping that I will um, kind of get over that hump and start watching Sky Games. And, uh, you know, because uh, right now there's still a lot of soccer going on with the Euros and the Fire and the Red Stars, but there are some there are some free days in there. Okay, for books recently, I've been reading a lot of baseball biographies, but I think this is one that's relevant to non-baseball fans as well. Uh, single out the true story of glenn burke by andrew marinus i briefly mentioned it in a previous episode but andrew marinus um first i'm going to get to the author then to the subject but andrew marinus it's interesting his father david marinus is actually known for writing a lot of political biographies and really good biographies of roberto clemente and vince lombardi as well but andrew uh yeah this is his third book and i think it's it's masterful uh glenn burke was essentially the first openly gay Major League Baseball player. Now, he was not out to the public until after his career, but his teammates knew. Um, a lot of people in the front office of his teams knew. So he was out in a sense. Um, 
You know, and I think it's interesting because you've got Glenn Burke, who was a gay black man, and you have Andrew Marinus, who is a straight white man. And so I think there's a lot, you know, it gets tricky in terms of representation, telling that story. But I think Andrew Marinus does a great job here because he really dug in with interviews. Uh, he interviewed childhood friends, Glenn's family, teammates. Uh, people who wrote about Glenn, uh, people in the Castro district, acquaintances that he knew. So it's really a holistic biography. Um, so Glenn Burke's story, um, and you know, he also, Andrew Marinus also does a great job, I think, of setting it against the time that Glenn was in his career and immediate post-career as a baseball player. You have uh, the Nita Bryant fighting against gay rights. You've got a lot of um, anti-gay initiatives trying to be passed by states. Um, you know, you have Harvey, Harvey Milk being killed. Um, you know, so Andrew Marinus really sets the scene uh, with that um, in terms of the turmoil and strife going on. And obviously in the early 80s, you have the AIDS epidemic. So he really, I think, does a great job of setting that scene and placing Glenn Burke in it as well as also placing Glenn Burke along with uh, what was happening in the Bay Area with the uh, Black Panthers as well, since Glenn Burke was originally from Oakland, just across the border with Berkeley. He went to Berkeley High School. But, you know, and I think it's, it's interesting because it really plays in there. When you look at Glenn Burke's um, career stats, they really don't tell the whole story because he was a guy who was clearly struggling um, you know, with his sexuality, with his identity, and with how open and out to be. And you had teammates, uh, you know, there's a lot of former players that you come away with a lot of respect for. Dusty Baker was very accepting of Glenn, a very good friend to him. And he and Glenn actually invented the high five. Um, you know, but there you see kind of um, the institutional homophobia within baseball and degree of institutional racism as well. And, you know, that's not exactly the focus of the story because there's, there's a lot after his career, too, that's discussed. Um, him dealing with um, drug addiction and particularly, again, that's set against the crack epidemic as well. And him um, contracting AIDS, which, which eventually killed him at only the age of 42. But there's just, it's really, I think, especially with everything going on in the world, uh, with Pride Month now, I think it's an important story to tell. Because unfortunately, uh, more than 40 years later, I think there's a lot of things that obviously have gone better, but there's a lot of things that haven't improved because we still haven't seen another openly gay baseball player during their career um, or one that's open to the public. So hopefully that's something that can change uh, the more Glenn Burke's story gets heard and told. Okay, I said I wasn't going to do intros. I'm going to cheat a little and do an outro. I also think it's important to know about Singled Out is that it's written as a young adult biography. I think it's um, written for older high schoolers and younger college students, but it's really good with very short chapters. Um, Marinus really gets to the point very well. And uh, yeah, so I think that's something else that needs to be told. It's, it's a really good book, I think, for people in their late teens and early 20s as well to read. 
Okay, so generally with beer, I talk about beer that I have been drinking, and I have gone to a couple breweries uh, recently that are worth talking about, so the joys of being double vaccinated, but I actually want to talk about something different this time. Uh, so we're approaching Juneteenth, and we just passed the anniversaries of the Tulsa Massacre and George Floyd's murder. So I think it's worth talking about. Craft craft breweries recently had a Me Too reckoning because it's very male-dominated. But let's be honest, craft, craft beer is also very white. Um, so there's actually a brewer in San Antonio. Marcus Baskerville, who runs Weathered Souls Brewing, and he decided to create a beer, uh, Black is Beautiful. It's a stout, and he basically put the recipe out there to other breweries and said, hey, you can put your own spin on this, but what I want is if you're producing this beer that you donate money to social justice organizations that support reform related to police brutality, as well as equality and inclusion. Um, and there have been a lot of breweries who've taken him up on that. So there's actually breweries in all 50 states and 22 countries that have done their own version of Black is Beautiful. And that's awesome. It's really, I think the more people that are involved in brewing, the more different perspectives you're going to get, the more of an audience you can get. I actually read an article last night, um, I believe it was in the Atlantic, uh, and it was, America has a drinking problem. And, you know, that actually sounds uh, very kind of moralistic and judgy, but it was interesting because actually what it talked about, it should have been titled something like why we drink because it really was about the social aspect of drinking and, you know, and, and people sharing ideas. And I think the more people you can get involved in something like craft brewing, the more different perspectives and ideas you're going to get on making beer and just enjoying beer. And then that opens you up to different perspectives about life as well. Uh, so I really think this is a great project. I hope it does inspire uh, more black people to get involved in craft brewing. Um, you know, of course there's, there can be different obstacles to that. So I'm not going to deny that those are taking place or that this is going to fix everything, but I think it's an awesome idea. Uh, you've got right now, as I said, all 50 States, but in Broward County, uh, three sons, odd breed and funky Buddha are all making their version of Black is Beautiful. It's disappointing there's only three breweries on the list, but hopefully there's some more who just haven't submitted information to the website yet. Oddbreed actually might be my favorite brewery in Broward. It's, it's up there. They do a lot of really unique things. There's a ton of breweries in Miami doing it, so that's, that's good. Um, so a lot representing South Florida. Um, Chicagoland has a lot of breweries, but I want to point to Black Horizon in Willowbrook, which I haven't been to, but is partially black owned, uh, in Florida, Green Bench in, uh, St. Pete is also partially black owned. So I just want to give shout outs to them as well. Um, cause they're not only producing this beer, but they've also got black people involved in the process. So you can find out more information about this at blackisbeautiful.beer. And uh, I hope to go to one of those local breweries and try their version soon.
Okay, so for baseball today, I'm going to talk about the America's uh, Olympic qualifying tournament, which the United States are playing in because the U.S. failed to finish in the top two of the 2019 Premier 12 event. Um, so in the this Olympics, uh, you only actually have six teams qualifying baseball, which uh, seems pretty harsh. It seems like you could put eight in there, you know, at least. But Mexico, Japan, South Korea, and Israel have already qualified, which means among the remaining teams in this America's qualifier, you've got the U.S. playing Canada tonight and uh, Dominican Republic and Venezuela playing. Only two of those four teams are going to make it. Um, and Cuba was already eliminated in this tournament, which is kind of a shocker because uh, they've won several gold medals and often use professional players. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting at the Olympics to see if the U.S. can uh, can get through this okay. The U.S. has looked good, though, and won uh, the first games of the group stage to get to this so-called super round. And basically the top, the winner of the super round is going automatically to the Olympics, and the number and two, two and three teams uh, go on to yet another qualifying tourney where only one team makes it out. But uh, the U.S. national team, national baseball team, I think is actually pretty fun. You have a mix of top 100 prospects, uh, Matthew Libertore, uh, Tristan Casas, Simeon Woods Richardson, and Jaron <laughs> Duran. Um, and you also have guys that anybody who's been a baseball fan over the past, you know, 20 years or so has heard of. Uh, Edwin Jackson, Todd Frazier, Homer Bailey, Matt Kemp, John Jay. Uh, Edwin Jackson, Todd Frazier, and John Jay all had varying stints on uh, the south side with the White Sox with varying success. Uh, Todd Frazier was hit 40 home runs one year and was a runner-up in the home run derby. John Jay was less successful, and Edwin Jackson was pretty good, but we were one of 14 teams he played for. Uh, so I'm going to the game tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and, you know, with and also talking about the diversity of this club, you've got age. So Edwin Jackson is a few months younger than me. Simeon Woods Richardson was born when I was a senior in high school. So, you know, <laughs> quite a mix. Um, so for me, I'm not going to get too much into it. But the whole concept of patriotism is just, uh, yeah, it's, it's complex, like, shall we say, with American history and a lot of stuff going on. But one thing I've always enjoyed is rooting for the national teams. I think they kind of are the best of the country in terms of here's people who made it based on meritocracy, uh, people who of lots of different backgrounds, socioeconomically, ethnically, uh, with the women's national teams, you also have a big contingent of LGBT athletes. The men's side, not so much, um, which I should say lesbian and bisexual athletes on the women's side because, you know, there aren't there haven't really been uh, trans athletes playing for national teams. Um, there have been a few in individual sports. But, yeah, so I'm looking forward to tonight's game. It's going to be up in Palm Beach, and, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. There was a lot of other stuff I was going to mention about baseball, but I think Olympic qualifying is good enough, and I'm just always looking forward to live baseball and looking forward to see this uh, really strangely composed national team play. Okay, and that is it for this week. Um, 
you know, I'll, I'll make another confession here. I'm just confessing a lot of things about this podcast. But one is that I actually haven't really been previewing the episodes. I've just been kind of rolling with it. Um, so if there is any sort of sound issues, uh, just let me know and I'll kind of take a closer look at it. I'm just kind of anxious to get them out into the universe, I guess. And, uh, today I'm actually going to shortly be leaving. As I mentioned, I'm going to the Olympic baseball qualifier between the U S and Canada tonight up in Palm beach. So I'm looking forward to that, uh, live baseball as always. And uh, we'll see. I'm not not sure if I'm going to be doing an episode next week or not. I think so. But yeah, play it by ear, I guess. And, you know, I'm sure everyone has other stuff to do other than listen to my podcast. So, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, as always, uh, feel free to email me if you liked the show, if you hated the show uh, and you hate listened for 30 minutes. Uh, yeah, feel free to email me as well. My email address is everythings5by4 at gmail.com. That's everythings, no apostrophe, 5x4 at gmail.com. Again, everythings5by4 at gmail.com. Everythings without an apostrophe, 5x4 at gmail.com. And as I always say, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And keep everything 5x4. Thank you. Bye.